0: Jeremy Pena has set the stage here for Jordan Alvarez, one of the most feared hitters in the game. Representing the winning run for the Astros. And Alvarez belts it! into to right field! Gets it, get by! Unbelievable! The Astros a walk off win! Yordan Alvarez, a walk off three-run homer! And the Astros stunned the Mariners in game one of the division series! Incredible! Oh, Capital of the world. Center cut curveball, but it was nasty. It's the TC Martin show. Burlander deals a 3 2 and a cold strike three. TC Martin. And now the Astros with a runner at first for Alex Bregman. And Bregman sends one deep in the left. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Verlander with strikeout number nine. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, getting ready for the World Series game three tonight. The Astros and the Phillies tied at one game apiece. The rain out yesterday, but we will have baseball tonight. And the fans in Philadelphia going crazy. Can hardly wait. 503 first pitch, Pacific time, 803 on the eastern seaboard. Lance McCullers going for the Astros tonight. Ranger Suarez for Philly. I'm telling you, I don't want anyone to tell me different, At pitching staff is a mess for the Philadelphia Phillies. All right, Chris Baziou joined us last hour. That will be up on the website a little bit later on if you missed that at TCMartinShow.com. Also, our Raiders recap up there from Sunday. Look ahead to... Sunday in Jacksonville. That's up there. And our interview with the one and only Mattress Mac is on the homepage as well, too. So check that out. Mattress Mac, 75 million reasons why he is rooting for the Houston Astros. Me and Mac. That's right, baby. We've got our future tickets on the Strohs. And after tonight, one of these two teams will be two games away from a World Series championship. All right. Bob Nightingale will join us from Philadelphia at the bottom of the hour. And uh, we'll get uh, the latest uh, weather update from Bob, and uh, he will he's on the scene there. It does a fantastic job, of course, USA Today. Go check out all of Bob's stuff there at usatoday.com. So uh, we'll talk to Bob, and he'll give us the vibe from Philly. Can I play a message from Mr. Mattress Mac? It's its including breaking news. Sure, okay. All right, here's uh, my good friend, uh, Mattress Mac. First rookie shortstop ever to win a Golden Glove. Go shows! Congratulations Jeremy Pena, the first rookie shortstop ever to win a Golden Glove. Go Stros! <laughs> That's my man, Mattress Mac. All right, uh, the breaking news is that the American League winners for the Rollins Gold Glove Award have been announced, and the Astros have two of those people. Jeremy Pena, the shortstop, the rookie shortstop for the Astros, Gold Glover, and Kyle Tucker. The Astros' right fielder, also Gold Glover. Rounding out the rest of the Gold Glove uh, winners, the pitcher, Shane Bieber from Cleveland, Jose Trevino, the Yankees rookie catcher, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base for the Toronto Blue Jays, Andres Jimenez from Cleveland Guardians at second base, we mentioned Pena for the Astros at short, and then Ramon Urias from the White Sox at third base, and uh, the outfield, he has uh, Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw. Miles Straw, former Houston Astro. Both of those outfielders with the Cleveland Guardians. And of course, Kyle Tucker for the Astros. So two Astros get gold gloves. Uh, on the National League side, uh, the catcher tonight's game for the Phillies, J.T. Realmuto, wins uh, another gold glove. Christian Walker is the first base recipient for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Brendan Rogers. The rookie second baseman from the Colorado Rockies. Dansby Swanson, the shortstop from the Braves. Nolan Arenado from the St. Louis Cardinals at third base. And then your outfielders are Ian Happ of the Cubs. Trent Grisham from the Padres. Mookie Betts from the Dodgers. And your pitcher, Gold Glove Award winner, Max Fried for the Braves. And then Brendan Donovan of the Cardinals. There you go. All right. So your Gold Glove Award winners announced by Major League Baseball. All right, so more World Series talk coming at the bottom of the hour right now. You know what day it is and what time it is. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Okay, news earlier today came out of Brooklyn that the Nets have fired Steve Nash as their head coach. So, Steve Nash, two seasons, had a two and five start this year. Uh, Brooklyn underperforming once again. Uh, Steve Nash's team has made the playoffs each of the last two seasons, but advanced only past the first round once. That was it. Steve Nash, fired. By the Brooklyn Nets. Now, is that the terrible part? I hate to see anybody lose their job. But Steve Nash was put in a situation that he wasn't going to be successful with. How about this quote? This is the terrible part. From GM Sean Marks. And I still understand, and I've said this time and time again, how Sean Marks got a GM job. I remember he was a mediocre player at Cal. I don't know what this guy really knows about player personnel, what he knows about anything. But he's got the job in Brooklyn. Here's his quote. We want to thank Steve for everything he brought to our franchise over the past two-plus seasons. Since becoming head coach, Steve was faced with a number of unprecedented challenges, and we are sincerely grateful for his leadership, patience, and humility throughout his tenure. Personally, this was an immensely difficult decision. However, after much deliberation and evaluation of how the season has begun, we agreed that a change is necessary at this time. That's what Sean Marks said. Here's why it's an immensely difficult decision for Sean Marks. Because he likes Steve Nash. Steve Nash is a friend of his. Okay, Both grew up in the Bay Area. They know each other very, very well. But that's exactly why I hired him, too. The guy should have never been hired. Why hire him? This is on Sean Marks. This is on the Brooklyn Nets, and this dysfunctional franchise. Why would you hire a guy like Steve Nash in the first place? Great guy, great player, kind of quiet, but zero head coaching experience. None, nil, nine, zippo. And you bring him in to this dysfunctional, Situation in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving join the team, James Harden joins the team, now you got Ben Simmons joining the team, the ship Harden off, nightmare situation. It's like the Houston Astros going back after the sign-stealing scandal. All right, A.J. Hinch, get out of here. Should have never been a manager in the first place. Let players, let everyone run all over them. You need a veteran. What do they do? They get Dusty Baker to clean things up, right? Oh, not only clean them up, but teach them how to win, how to be humble, and get the job done. All right? Year in and year out. When you have these kind of personalities, like a Kyrie Irving can decide to play or not to play at any point in time, you better have a veteran coach. Some coach is going to lay down the law. Steve Nash wasn't laying down nothing. Sean Marks wasn't laying down nothing. Brooklyn ownership are clueless. They just got tons of money. It's an embarrassment to even think of why they even hired Steve Nash in the first place. And you bring the poor guy in to what? Oh, you think he's going to succeed? The first sign of controversy? What's he going to do? had no head coaching experience, no player personnel experience. And then you think he's going to tell guys like Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant go take a hike? Kyrie Irving, basically the state of New York and the city of New York had to tell him to go take a hike. You're not going to play because you're not vaccinated. No one had the balls to talk to this guy. Talk about inmates running the asylum. That's exactly what you got. I mean, the Nets are a mess. Kevin Durant, Shame on you. Should have stayed in Golden State. You know that. He knows it. Trying to win. You're not going to win nothing. And you start off 2 and 5. LeBron James same thing with you and those that clown show in Los Angeles. Same thing. Winless, loser first 4 games, just like the Sacramento Kings, clueless organizations. Clueless. And who's running the show? Look at kind of coaches you've had in Los Angeles the last few years. What kind of GM do you have? Nah, no, yeah, it makes me sick. It really makes me sick because you put people in positions and you actually think that, what, oh, he's going to be a good puppet. You're not going to win with puppets. You're not going to win with rookie head coaches, rookie managers. It doesn't work like that. No, you need experience. Major League Baseball, pay experience managers. Look at the White Sox. What are they hiring? Garbage. What are the Marlins hiring? Garbage. Because they don't value managers. And it's becoming that way more and more with football, too. Kevin Stefanski, what do you ever do to get a head coaching job? Todd Bowles, are you kidding me? list goes on and on. NBA, Steve Nash. Now, who's the front runner? Yudoka's going to come back? Are you kidding me? Didn't this guy embarrass your franchise enough? You want Yudoka to come in and, and... and be the coach of the Brooklyn Nets? Come on. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, he may be qualified. Okay? He may be qualified as a coach. But you're, you're just bringing more of a nightmare situation. And it's going to be a clown show. It's going to be a circus show. He got fired by the Boston Celtics for off-the-court behavior. You want to bring him to Brooklyn for that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. So, yeah, Brooklyn Nets, they're a mess along with the Lakers. And it's all tied into bad GMs, bad front office, hiring the wrong coaches. (laughs) College football, speaking of bad coaches and bad hires, Auburn fires Brian Harson. Two seasons at Auburn, nine and 12. Amazingly pathetic. Pathetic. Nine wins. Auburn usually has two or three gimmies, at least two or three, four gimmies every year. He wins nine and loses 12 in two-plus seasons. Here is the terrible part. Brian Harsin was not fit to be a head coach in the SEC coming from Boise State. Yeah, Boise State, nice program. Not the SEC. How is he expected to recruit the SEC? He's got no ties back there. That's terrible. For them to hire Brian Harson two years ago, that was a joke. Why? Didn't win anything at Boise State. I mean, okay. Mount West? Really? Here's the worst part, Auburn. Shame on you. Auburn owes this ham and $15 million. They're going to have to pay him $15 million. And guess what? It has to be paid in the next 30 days. Kudos, Brian Harson. You can't coach worth a lick. You can't recruit worth a lick, but you've hired a good lawyer. He's got a great lawyer for that. <laughs> Holy cow. $15 million and must be paid within 30 days. Why do you hire Brian Harson? Why do you reach from a guy from Boise State? Unbelievable. And then why on earth do you give him a six-year deal worth 31.5? $5 million for Boise State. People in the SEC were laughing two years ago. Laughing at this hire. And now Auburn has turned their program backwards for the next three, four, five years. This season's a throwaway. All right? So, that means this year's recruiting class is a throwaway. You hope you're going to get some people out of the transfer portal? Good luck with that. But remember, Harson had problems off the field, too. He lost numerous players who didn't want to play for him because of the way he ran these guys in the ground. A lot of off-the-field stuff. That's what led to his firing. But Auburn's paying for it now. Six-year, $31.5 million deal, $15 million to go bye-bye for Brian Harson. How bad was Auburn? They've been bad ever since he got here. But last year? They went to the Birmingham Bowl. Auburn doesn't go to the Birmingham Bowl. Auburn goes to the Sugar Bowl. Auburn goes to New Year's Day games. On an offseason, when you go 9-3, you go to the Outback Bowl. The Florida Citrus Bowl. You don't go to the Birmingham Bowl and get drill-pressed by Houston. That's what happened last year. This year, lost to Penn State 41-12. Penn State's nothing special. Got blasted by Georgia 42-10. Oh, and last Saturday... Final writing on the wall, Arkansas comes into your home field and blasts you 41-27. So goodbye, Brian Harson. Egg on the face for Auburn for paying this guy and hiring this guy from the beginning. <laughs> all right, more college football. Michigan State played Michigan last weekend. You see that game? Michigan, they rolled all over Sparty. This thing isn't, isn't even a... Um, a rivalry anymore. Fight breaks out in the tunnel after the game. All right? After Michigan rolls Michigan State. Michigan State players not too happy. What happens? They attack two Wolverine players causing a concussion and cuts to the face to the two players. Now, the Michigan State players were using not only their fists but using their helmets to bash these Michigan players. Tank Brown... Kari Crump, Angelo Gross, and Zion Young have been suspended indefinitely by Michigan State until the investigation by the school's law enforcement and the Big Ten Conference is completed. Now, Jim Harbaugh said, wait a minute, I I want criminal charges pressed against these guys. So Harbaugh is asking that criminal charges be levied against the four Michigan State players, and they should. The game is over. You're embarrassed. Your team stinks. Your team has stunk for the last few years. Alright? And you lose to Michigan. It's a college football game. Go in the tunnel. Go get on the bus. Go have some pizza. Call it a night. No one's even going to remember what happened in that game. You were expected to lose and you got drilled. Alright? But to start fighting in the tunnel, not even during the course of the game, but during the tunnel, well, guys have their helmets off, and you take your helmet off, and you're bashing a Michigan player. Yeah, suspension, criminal charges. Don't want to see these guys for the rest of the season. Now, today, Michigan State suspended four more players: Jacody, uh, Jacoby, Jacoby Winman, Malcolm Jones, Justin White, and Brandon Wright. Are now make the total of eight. Michigan State players suspended for this tunnel incident. You knew there were just more than these four. But just uh, harrowing that a couple players from Michigan get concussed and have cuts all over their face because numbskulls from Michigan State are mad because they lost. Well, Michigan beat you because they're the better team. So continue to follow this story. All right, more fighting. This time in the NFL. How about Sunday night's game between Green Bay and Buffalo? Now, this really wasn't fighting. These were just two juvenile delinquents yelling and screaming at each other, being morons. Jire Alexander from the Packers, the cornerback, and Stephon Diggs. Well, these two had words before the game when, uh, you know, and this kind of goes back to when Diggs played with the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, Packers, Vikings, we know that rivalry and everything, right? Well, yeah. So they started talking trash going back two years ago. Well, it started in the pregame warm-ups of the Sunday night football game between Green Bay and Buffalo. Then it escalated during the game. Diggs tried adding to it when he scored the Bills' second touchdown of the night through, uh, although his teammates wanted him to celebrate instead of join at Alexander. But you know how it is. Me first. Stefan Diggs said, no, no, no. I'm going right at Alexander. We scored a touchdown. Sorry, fellas. I'm not going to party and celebrate with you. No, I'm going to go right at Alexander. So Alexander also had some extracurricular tackling after Diggs fell to the end zone with the ball in his hand after the 26-yard touchdown, even though no flags were thrown on the play. So here's Diggs' comment afterwards. He goes, I don't give a blank F word who started it. I finished it. I got the win. I don't deal with moral victories. I don't deal with one-on-one battles because it's not a one-on-one game. It's a team effort. And I got a dub. I feel like at the end of the day, there were no moral victories. What? Your team won the game! Moral victories? What are you... This is what I'm talking about. The mentality of these athletes today. It's on full display here. I don't give a F. Who started I finished it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the win. I finished it. Moral victories. What moral? What are you talking about? You got the win. Moral victories are for losers. That's always usually brought up when a team loses. Diggs didn't even know if he won or lost because he was so consumed with Jair Alexander. He wanted to fight him. He wanted to argue with him. He wanted to talk trash. I don't deal with moral victories. I don't deal with one-on-one battles. What are you talking about? You escalated the one-on-one battle. You went after the guy before the game even started because you want the one-on-one battle. What the hell is wrong with these guys? It is so sickening. And this is what is turning sports upside down. The me first mentality. I'm telling you, people don't want to watch these goofballs. Oh, my God. John each other. Where are the flags on this? Late hit, no flags. I, kick him out of games. Just goes to show you don't give a darn about the end result. Yeah, you got the dub, but I, I got Jair. I got him. It's a team effort. I got the dub. Then why don't you mention the team? Why don't you go celebrate with your team? If it's a team effort, go celebrate with your team after you score a touchdown. Alexander said that he did not know who started, but swore he was the one that finished it. Alexander did have an interception in the game. Now, Diggs also said this after the game. He goes, it's the most talking that's ever been, that I've ever done with another team. Because I don't know why. (laughs) You know, we don't really do too much talking. You've seen us week in, week out. We just go in and try to get the job done. It happens this way sometimes. I don't care. No matter how a game approaches, I'm a leader of this football team. I'm going to continue to be a leader. I'm going to lead by example, and I'm not going to get pushed around by nobody. This guy talks out of both sides of his face. You're a leader? Man, if you're a leader, I don't want to follow you. And neither does any of the Buffalo bills. No oh, Josh Allen is the leader, you ham hog. Josh Allen is the leader of that football team. Not Stefan Diggs. If I'm, man, if I'm, if I'm Josh Allen, I, I swear I would say I'd think twice about throwing this clown the ball. <laughs> I'm going to continue to be you're not a leader. Stop that nonsense. We don't talk much. That's all you do is talk. You did it in Minnesota. You do with Buffalo. Doesn't matter which team you're on. You're going to talk because you're a me first dude. Stefan Diggs. Crazy. I'm done with that story. <laughs> <laughs> More Seattle and the Giants played on Sunday, right? Mm. Now remember what I said. The Seattle played the Giants. The Seattle Seahawks were hosting the New York Giants. Had a little crazy little play down at the stretch as the Seahawks quarterback, Geno Smith, who's had a fantastic year, ran a scamper, basically got the first down to seal the game at the end. Pete Carroll was a little bit excited. He was jumping up and down, and he got a flag on the sideline. Now, I didn't come back to haunt the Seahawks. Remember I said the Seahawks. Pete Carroll is the coach of the Seahawks, right? So he's jumping up and down. They gave him a flag. Probably shouldn't have given him a flag, but Pete came on the field a little bit, and the side judge ran into him, threw a flag. Well, they had to sort it all out. And referee Jerome Boger, who's done Super Bowls, who is one of the most respected officials, he decided to break it down and explain what happened. After the play was over, sideline interference... The coaching staff of the Seattle Mariners within in the restricted area. 15-yard penalty. After the enforcement of this penalty, it will be first and team. He said the Seattle Mariners. I believe he did, yeah. Okay. So what was worse, the block or the Mariners? <laughs> uh, you know, I know you better than Jerome. Okay, so. well. Seattle Mariners. Was that penalty on Scott's service? Oh, we don't have penalties in baseball, do we? Jerome Bogar. Maybe he's watching the Astros and the Mariners. Maybe he watched 18 innings a game. Fell asleep. Just woke up. I don't I have no idea. The Seattle Mariners. Please, one more time, Numb Chuck, with that. After the play was over, sideline interference. The coaching staff of the Seattle Mariners was in the restricted area. 15-yard penalty. After the enforcement of this penalty, it will be first and team. There it is. Uh, Jerome Bogart got it wrong. The Seattle Seahawks, not the Seattle Mariners. Oh, by the way, the Mariners did not play that day. The Seahawks did win. They beat the Giants. And the Seahawks played some good football. They're 5-3, and three, and guess who's leading? The, the West right now. The NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks. All right. Former Kansas City Chiefs assistant coach Britt Reid sentenced to three years in prison. For drunk driving crash, you remember that happened? Going back last year, they injured five people, including one child severely. So uh, that came down today. Andy Reid's kid, Britt Reid, sentenced to three years in prison today for drunk driving. We knew this was uh, going to come about. We remember when it happened you know, before the playoff game last year. So that news came down today. All right. There it is. All right. That's your Terrible Tuesday Takes. Any terrible Tuesday takes, love to hear from you. Hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. We come back. We'll check in with Bob Nightingale. Hopefully he's done with his on-the-field duties. Heading up to the press box as we get ready for game number three tonight between the Astros and the Phillies World Series. (laughs) Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the doctor, TC Martin.